This episode of the Golf.com podcast is brought to you by the USGA. The next major event for the USGA is the Women's U.S. Open this week at Trump National Bedminster in New Jersey. For more information on the event, visit 2017USWomensOpen.com. Think about your golf bag for a second. If it's nearby, maybe run out to the garage to take a quick look at it. What stands out about your golf bag? What is the first thing you notice? If you were 100 yards away, off in the distance, and you could see a golf bag, could you tell if it was your golf bag or if it was some other person's golf bag? How would you do that? It's most likely that the first thing you notice when looking at your bag is not its color, not the towel that hangs from it, nor the way that it stands, the first thing you notice is probably the head covers, those individual decorative pieces that we use to adorn our bag and protect our precious sticks. These decorative pieces, they're meaningful to us in any number of ways, and they take all kinds of shapes and sizes to register that meaning. Think about Tiger Woods' tiger head cover, which he popularly named Frank or Bubba Watson's miniature fabric version of himself that wears overalls. Today's podcast discusses the meaning of head covers, of one head cover in particular, and how that one head cover led to the creation of a well-known brand named Seamus Golf. That story, the story of Seamus Golf, begins with a beer bong. Yes, you heard that correctly, a beer bong. The story of one of the most popular head cover companies in the world, it really could begin in a number of places, like Royal Troon over in Scotland. But if you ask me, it starts with a beer bong at Oregon State University in Corvallis, Oregon. Let me explain why. So you've got this guy named Akbar Chisti. At this point in the story of Seamus Gulf, it's 2004. Akbar is an audit intern at KPMG over in Portland, Oregon. And he was headed down to Oregon State for a football game. He did not know his co-founder at the time, but as he explains, he would soon meet her. Uh, I've been working with her brother um, as an intern at KPMG, one of the big four accounting firms. We're both auditors and headed down to Oregon State for the Civil War game. And, and we cruised down there and, yeah, we were just kind of hanging out. And nothing like from a romantic standpoint uh, happened on that first night we met at all. But she did strike me as a special person and I never really... Uh, had a beer bong before and she offered me one and it was amazing. So at that point, she sort of had me. He had never had a beer bong before. So <laughs> we were quick to um, encourage him that that was the night to try it. <laughs> the she in this scenario is Megan Chisty, formerly known as Megan Kenton. She was in no way uh, romantically interested in me at, at that time. Okay. So so we moved there and, and it just kind of went on to... Uh, see each other a couple times at a variety of social events, but kind of started dating. And, you know, it was generally awkward because I was really good buddies with her brother. But he ultimately, you know, thought it was cool because then at family events, you know, we were hanging out and socially it wasn't that awkward because he could have had somebody that was kind of lame dating his sister. Any awkwardness that Akbar felt as he started dating Megan did not last long. The two became a serious item, and they dated for a few years, and then they got married in August of 2008 in the same town where Akbar took that fateful beer bong four years prior. 
Shortly after getting married, Akbar and Megan moved in together in Beaverton, Oregon, 80 miles south of Corvallis. It was at that point where Seamus Gulf took its most important step towards conception. As they moved in together, Megan was working as a design assistant at Pendleton Woolen Mill. That's a woolen mill in the area. And she stumbled upon an old head cover of Akbar's. Akbar was an avid golfer. He'd worked at Bandon Dunes during his summers at school. If you need any proof for his love of the game, just look at his LinkedIn profile. His profile picture is a shot of him splashing out of a bunker. That kind of tells you the whole story of Akbar. Anyway, this old beaten down head cover that Megan came across, it originally came from Royal Troon almost a decade earlier. It was falling apart. The elastic sock, which extends from the cover and kind of exerts the whole purpose of a head cover, it was all tattered with a bunch of holes in the side, and it still meant the world to Akbar. My dad went to Royal Troon on this like sweet trip with his buddies, and the one thing he brought me back was this Royal Troon tartan head cover, a black Stuart, had a sock on the bottom and a D-ring on the top. And it was embroidered with the Royal Troon Crest. And so this quickly became my favorite item in my golf bag and maybe the favorite item I owned from 2001 on. What did you like so much about it? Well, it probably could have become just that because my dad brought it back for me from Scotland. And he had never been and he went on this cool trip. And, you know, there's a chance that he could have brought me anything. And I would have been like, oh, my God, this is amazing. But in reality, it was like he brought it back, and I thought it was cool, so I put it in the bag. But at that point, it wasn't really like my most prized possession. But when I went out and played, people would be like, oh, my God, that flat head cover is so cool. That is, that is just really cool. Oh, my gosh. Every time. You know, it's like every once in a while, you get some item, like if it's a funny color pair of shorts or, you know, whatever, people compliment it. And they're like, oh, my God, that's really cool. And so I became really enamored by it, and I'd be like really protective about it. And over time, it started to fall apart. And it wasn't like in any bad way, but, you know, Megan noticed it. It was really the sock part. So she pulled that sock part off and then affixed one of my black socks from work to it. And then it was fixed. And I never thought about anything. I was like, wow, thanks. This is great. This prized tartan head cover that Akbar loved so much was given new life thanks to his wife's sewing abilities. That head cover, as you'll see, became the seed that grew into Seamus Golf, even if it was pretty slow to germinate. Akbar was thrilled that his most prized possession was now usable again. It got him thinking. All kinds of golf buddies were envious of that Royal Troon head cover. Over the years, he'd hear about it, how great it was, how unique it was, how all his golf friends wished they could have one just like it, or at the worst case, even similar to it. He also knew that he had all kinds of unused socks at their home. Everybody has, you know, in the business world, you have a lot of black socks. So we had a bag of mismatched socks. So that was kind of our first samples. And then we thought, well, this obviously won't do <laughs> going forward. So um, we just made them for him and some of his friends. There's an important factor there, Akbar's friends. Akbar had a few head covers made for himself, but his friends wanted some too. Now keep in mind, Megan didn't really know head covers from hats at the time. She was not an avid golfer, not crazy about the game like the people she was now making products for. Sure, she'd been sewing since she was in kindergarten. She existed as a go-to person if you needed some hemming done on some pants or something fixed in your wardrobe. But she was very much taking verbal cues from Akbar on how to get this job done and also leaning on her sewing experience 
and really just recreating head covers using the Troon one as a formatted guide. It was very much learn as you go, which is a theme that Seamus would eventually be defined by. So, back to Akbar's friends. As I said earlier, Akbar spent his summers working at Bandon Dunes Golf Resort. It's one of the top-tier golf resorts in the country. It's about 240 miles away from Beaverton, Oregon, and rests along the Pacific Ocean. Akbar spent his time there working in the pro shop, which is really a great place to meet people and to make friends. Working in the pro shop, you're oftentimes the middleman between management and the grounds crew, between the caddies and the head professional. A lot of Akbar's golf friends were people that he met at Bandon Dunes. After a few years of head cover creation being a recreational hobby and a fun project for friends, Akbar's refurbished head cover caught the eye of Jeff Simmons. This is the director of golf at Bandon Dunes, the guy that makes or is a part of just about every conversation that has to do with golf at Bandon Dunes. Jeff was instrumental in kind of getting, I guess, Seamus' first prototype in front of the other people at Bandon Dunes. Then, Bandon's buyer, Amy Pendergast, she listened to the story of this little, unnamed at the time, enterprise that Akbar and Megan had been entertaining. And all of a sudden, the concept of a Bandon Dunes tartan head cover became really, really real for the first time. My wife, you know, she enjoyed her work, but she was working a lot too. And she was like, you know what, if ever this thing took off, it could be kind of fun to do this. And so with some iterations, you know, we started playing around with different designs, started playing around with different ideas. We noticed that nobody was really doing plaid head covers, like in America, at least. They were just in Scotland. And with stuff like Bannon Dunes, like, you know, taking a lot of these ideas from what's in these old courses and bringing it to America, it just seemed like maybe there was a fit for an accessory, like a head cover that did the same thing. When I first showed it to them, they were like, this is cool. And it just sat there. They didn't go anywhere. Because at that time, I didn't know how to put logos on stuff. So then we had to figure out how to do logos. And then all of a sudden, they placed this order. You know, they're like, let's do this. Let's play around with this. This is kind of cool. Um, and I was still working and my wife was still working and I told my wife and she got really excited and she went to work the next day and was like, hey, you know what, maybe I just quit my job and just do this. And I was like, I don't think that's a very good idea. And then she came back from work like a couple of days later and was like, Hey, I put in my two weeks so that we could do this head cover thing. And then I was like, uh, I was just ready for a change. Contrary to what he says, he actually wrote my resignation letter for me. So he did have some hand in it. I just think he didn't think I would be as abrupt to hand it over <laughs> as I was. But, you know, it was kind of one of those things where if you don't ever take that next step, you're always going to wonder what would have happened if you did. I didn't want to go anywhere but Bandon to start because ever since the beginning, I felt like the product we were making was better than what I, my dad brought me, even though I love that product. And I figured that we couldn't do baby steps. If we're going to make something, let's make it world-class and let's start at the top and work our way down because it's a lot easier that way. Sure. Starting at Bandon Dunes with the backing of a world-renowned golf resort, that makes creating a golf company out of thin air quite a bit easier. Bandon Dunes is a heavy hitter in the golf world, and they jumped in for about 100 head covers. Soon after, this unnamed company finally got its name, Seamus Golf, as they named the company after their Irish terrier. 
The moment they get that first order, though, as exciting as it was, it's just so official. Now they've got a company, whether or not the Chisties even wanted to believe it. And now they had some sacrifice they had to give up. Megan quit her job, and yes, while this started as a simple hobby that combined the passions of two people, running a company, having a company, taking orders for that company, making orders, handling deadlines, handling outreach for this company, it's more than just time, fabric, needles, and thread. It required monetary resources, of which the Chisties didn't have very much. Megan began earnestly filling the band in order, and without anyone else really involved, her aunt was helping out with the sewing duties using all kinds of leftover fabrics. At the time, they only made fairway head covers because it was the most cost efficient. You know, the driver club head market, it was moving towards bigger and bigger and more extravagant club heads. And as a byproduct of that, it was much more inconsistent from equipment company to equipment company. Fairway woods were just much more similar from brand to brand. So that's where Seamus made its commitment. Megan and her aunt used barrel-style head covers, which essentially creates a fabric barrel that slides easily on top and comfortably snug onto the club head. They used vegetable tanned leather for the coarse logos. They had specifically colored fabrics and specifically patterned tartans, contrasting lined fabrics, and then elastic on the interior lining. In the end, it all came together with stitching. Now, filling this order requires all these things, but it also, in doing so, requires a sizable payment for the materials up front. They believed they could do it together, and they believed that they could do it without much help. It was sort of a figure-it-out-or-we-fail type of approach that it needed some money, So Akbar, while still working on his own full-time job, went to Craigslist and did something that was a bit curious. He started flipping cars. Megan's parents gave us this old Volvo 240 that had all kinds of problems. It had a rusted out bottom. It was like 20 years old. And I was like, well, let's just sell this thing. And at the time, there were a lot of hipsters in Portland. So I sold it for like three grand on the blocks. I wasn't even driving. I said, here's the issues, whatever. Got $3,000 in cash from that. Put that right in the Seamus. Then she had an old Mustang that she got in 2001. It was blue. It was kind of her baby, but I was like, you don't even like this thing. Let's just sell it and work off of one car for a while. And then we sold that. And then, uh, let's see here. I bought a Jetta and sold it for more. Then I sold a car for somebody else and took a commission for like two grand or something. And then, I finally decided I would not sell cars anymore because I was selling a handicapped van to somebody who only had six months to live. And the person I was selling it for wouldn't let me negotiate on price. And I was like, dude, I don't feel right not giving this guy a deal because he's going to donate this car after he buys it. And it was this awkward thing. So then I stopped selling cars and just focused on selling head covers. And all that, I mean, I probably raised about like 15 grand. I don't know if that's wild to you, but it seems like it's it kind of c- catches me off guard that that was something you felt you needed to do just to kind of get by. Yeah. One thing that really distinguishes us here is I wanted to build this business and do it without anybody's help. And in order to do that, I didn't have like, I didn't want to take investment. I didn't want to listen to anybody. Both my wife were, and I are kind of stubborn people. We just wanted to do it the way we were going to do it and and fail if we had to on the way. So in order to do that, 
you can't just start something without any money. You basically have to take every dollar that comes in and put it right back in. Thanks to Akbar's ability to flip cars for cash and Megan's ability to become a head cover savant, Band and Dudes would get their 100 head covers, arriving in the shops in October 2011. With Bandon as their first and only client at the time, Seamus had pushed a sizable foot in the door of the Gulf world. It was kind of like if a brand new Black Olives company just landed the Black Olives supplying gig for Domino's Pizza. It was a great first step, but where's the second step? Akbar was able to parlay his Bandon deal into a few other courses, but it's not like business was exactly booming at the time. After all, he and Megan, they were still working out of their house. Their home was their headquarters. Akbar was still working on the side. They were leaning on Megan's aunt to help sew. Bandon was a successful start, but again, only fairway wood head covers. They still were not in the driver head cover business or the putter head cover business. They were just one significant step away from square one. Recall also that the stock market had crashed in 2008. So it's not like golf courses were chomping at the bit to spend money. They were still reeling from the ripples of that economic collapse. The Chisties were all in on this new venture, though, despite not even having their own website. I learned a lot about the market for it. I mean, it's like it's like a collectible when you're going wholesale. So like, you're probably going to sell more at a place that has a logo that people really want in the beginning, you know? And so... Um, Telling people about the product was tough. It was, I, I learned really quickly that people who weren't into it were simply not into it and would have to hear about it several other times from other people before they would think it was actually cool. So I just move on quick, you know. And But we didn't really start to get that credibility until um, Marty Hackle. The Marty he's talking about is Marty Hackle, the longtime fashion editor at Golf Digest he took a liking to what we were doing and put us in a very prominent spot in one of his um, editorial gift guides. And that dropped in June, 2012. Like when we found out we were going to be in there, Marty's like, what's your website? And I was like, well, we're on Etsy right now. And he's like, Etsy golf. I'm like, no, 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 no. Let me, uh, let me get, let me get like a real website set up. So I had to make a website. You didn't have one ready. I'm sure that freaked him out. Uh, but, I think that's great. Yeah, we didn't have a website. So then I figured out the website and went on to created this website. And that magazine dropped and we were like, oh, my God, our website's blowing up. This is amazing. And I was like, I wonder if I'm going to be able to quit my job. We sold like 12 head covers in like a day or something like that, which, you know, it's a few hundred dollars. It's not like enough to quit your job. So it was still going to be a lot of work. Head covers don't go viral like a t-shirt or a pair of shoes might. Being included as one of three head cover brands on one page in one issue of one magazine, it was not going to blow the roof off their in-home headquarters. A few months after that Golf Digest feature, Akbar and Megan are still grinding to make money. Sure, they are afloat with Seamus, but it was only in late 2012 that Akbar started to finally move away from his first and foremost job, which was a real estate gig. Of course, to make things even more hectic, which may or may not be a theme with Akbar, but also to make the books add up, Akbar picked up some accounting work on the side from Jones Golf, which is another Portland company that specializes in various golf bags. 
it definitely didn't hurt to be in business with another respected and growing golf brand from the Pacific Northwest. Back at Seamus, he was still rounding out all the rough edges of the company, though, and he was doing it all, I need to remind you, within the walls of his home. So at that time, we were working in our kitchen and our living room. You know, 2012, we're still doing that. I think we hired our first employee in, like, 2013. And she came and she'd, and we moved all our stuff out to the garage. So we were working in our garage for a while, call it six or seven months. And, and it wasn't when we realized that we needed to move out of the house until, like, it was like we had cutting tables and sewing and a laser engraver in our garage. And then we had people cutting fabrics in addition to that on our kitchen table. And, and then I was doing the setting up the business and doing the accounting and calling the accounts um, and doing the branding, like the website and photos. I was doing all the photos in the old uh, copy machine cardboard box and put a piece of paper and a lamp in our living room. If you were like, look at our income statement, we would have produced profit every month from the beginning. But every time we produced that profit, we would go and buy another sewing machine or we would buy some more fabric or then we would buy a laser engraver, you know, things like that. Seamus was an in-house shop in every sense of the term. But economically, those moves were making sense. Thanks to help from Gulf Digest and a few other course orders, Seamus more than doubled its sales in 2012. In early 2013, the company was able to hire its first employee, who they aptly nicknamed 001. Again, in 2013, they more than doubled their sales from the year before. And after six months of using their garage as an extension of their in-home shop, they were ready to move into a bigger space. And they were finally ready to start paying themselves for the years of hard work it took to put Seamus on the map. Now, as we pause to think about this head cover rags to head cover riches story, it all seems so linear for Seamus Golf. It all seems like a business you or I might run if we came up with a cool idea. Make a product, make it at home, make the company, sell the products, grow in size, grow in outreach, hire some employees, grow some more, hire more employees, eventually become so big that you need to graduate to a bigger space. That's exactly what Seamus did on this linear path. Only the linear path, it was about to reach its first big hiccup. Believe it or not, business was almost too good. More on that in a second. You may know the USGA for their 14 annual championships, which are widely regarded as the ultimate tests in golf. But there's more to the USGA than just golf competition. It's much more than that. There's a group of scientists at the USGA that are working specifically on a program to help golf facilities more efficiently reduce their reliance upon water. They've coupled with an innovation team to launch a resource management app that works to help course superintendents better allocate those H2O resources. In the end, they believe it's gonna create a better experience for all involved. That's the course, the management staff, the pro shop, even you, the golfer. The USGA is also working with the RNA in Scotland to modernize the rules of golf. You've probably heard about that in the past couple months, but the USGA wants your help with it. Visit usga.org to check out the list of proposed rules changes that are expected to go into effect January 1st, 2019. That's where you can share feedback with golf's governing bodies online. And now, back to Seamus Golf in their first major hiccup. Um... 
the first major hiccup happened when we moved out of our house. It was not looking good. So we picked up rent. We hired a controller. We hired another operations person. And then we um, had all these orders. And that was around spring, which is usually when we went out of cash. And we moved into the space because we couldn't function out of our office. So we had rent. We had more orders than we can make. And And Seamus couldn't get the credit help that they needed. The biggest line of credit, as far as Akbar can remember, was just $20,000. In no way enough to like help me get through like $100,000 worth of orders. I went and tried to figure out what we could do. And at the time, we were laser engraving these logos onto our, our head covers and stuff like that. So I, I decided that maybe we can do something different. And so we started making wooden tags, so like bag tags. Like I look back and look what I was getting into, and I'm like, I don't know how I decided that this was a good idea. Now I know it's a good idea. I'm really happy with it, but I'm like, we were really like walking out on a limb there because, I mean, we hadn't figured out a lot of things. Oh, I'm always a little bit nervous when Akbar comes with his new ideas. <laughs> You know, it's it's something new, and sometimes that seems a little bit scary at first. You know, well, we're going to do this, or I took an order for this. That's that's his greatest one is that he'll take orders for maybe something that we don't have quite polished yet. But you know what? It's sort of like ripping off that Band-Aid, and if you can figure it out, figure it out. I went and made the pitch to a local course, Pumpkin Ridge, and said, hey, what would you guys think of doing these little wooden tags? as guest tags, I see you guys give those paper tags out. And they're like, that's really cool, but like, how much is it gonna cost? And I was like, well, um, I'll do it for whatever price you guys wanna do. And, <laughs> but so long as you guys pay for it in advance. <laughs> so, so I was like, cool. How many do you guys wanna do? They're like 10,000. I was like, great. Can you pay for it? Yep. I was like, holy shit, I just figured it out. He just didn't figure out exactly how he needed to get the job done. We had to hand tie the the wooden tags with the suede. And so we would work during the day and then Megan and I would go home and we'd tie the tags every night that summer. And probably for four to five hours a night for like a month. Nobody wanted to come over to our house, my parents, our friends, because they were like, every time we come over, you guys just make us tie tags and it's really smelly and we don't want to do that. But that was the way we got through that. It solved everything for us that year. We were about to like, definitely, I was going to have to go beg for money from people and that solved it. That was a huge hiccup there. Having run out of cash and having too many orders to fill, it was the first time Akbar actually considered bringing on investors. Ask him about it now and he's really thankful that he didn't do it. This diversification by necessity, it brings us to the Seamus that we know today. Keep in mind, this company is still very young, but by taking a bit of a risk, trusting in his wife's design capabilities, and spending hours upon hours each night for a month tying these little leather bag tags, Akbar had not only bailed out his business, but he also diversified the Seamus product. He and Megan proved that Seamus Golf could be more than just a head cover company. It was kind of like a watch company realizing that they had an untapped affinity for earrings or bracelets. And really, it was only the first step in their product diversification. Being out in the Pacific Northwest, with the U.S. Open soon to visit Chambers Bay, 
The United States Golf Association came calling, and that's exactly what Akbar wanted. I really wanted to have our product be in the merchandise tent. The folks at the USGA were like, hey, come, let's go meet up and talk about what you do. So they're like, do you have a booth down at the Las Vegas show? What he's referring to is the secondary PGA show that's held each August down in Las Vegas. And I was like, all right, now I need to figure out like what we're going to do that's going to blow their minds, like what would be really cool. 2013, this is kind of jumping back and forth. We launched a hand-forged divot tool that was like a caveman tool, like an ice pick tool. But I met this cool blacksmith that I really liked and thought it would be really awesome to have him make a divot tool. And after that, we started playing around with ball marks. So I came up with the idea that we drive an anvil down to Las Vegas from Portland and put it in our booth. Right in front of the USGA, in a gigantic convention center in Las Vegas, Akbar took ball markers on an anvil they had carried for a thousand miles and hand-stamped initials into the markers, personalizing them for USGA employees. The governing body loved it. They were sold on the young company's ability to create a unique product and to do it from hand. Fast forward 10 months from there, there's Akbar in the middle of the US Open merchandise tent, personalizing ball markers for all kinds of spectators at Chambers Bay. Seamus Golf now provided head covers, it now provided bag tags and divot tools and personalized ball markers. One month later, Seamus is now collaborating with Nike at the company's One Nike Place, a 19th hole event space at St. Andrews. Eventually, there's a Masters head cover and a Masters tee and marker pouch and a U.S. Open Players Gifts at Aaron Hills this year. Again, in the merchandise tent was Akbar hand-stamping initials into ball markers. All these Seamus products, it's worth remembering, are handmade. And that catches consumers' attention. Even some consumers that they never plan to reach. Like seven-time PGA Tour winner Matt Kuchar. Via email? Like, I guess that's a big breakthrough. That is, like, that is a huge one. Um, because he was playing in an event, and he got a heck every he liked it. He wrote an email to us, like, from his personal email account and to Megan, saying, like, hey... I think your head covers are cool. Would you guys ever, like, do anything for me? Like, I mean, like, can you guys provide them for me, or do I just buy them on the website? We're like, uh, we'll give them to you, like, anytime you want them, Mr. Kusher. I was working the Heritage last year, and I get a text in the evening after a long day of hammering ball marks and talking to people, and, and it's like, hey, you want to grab coffee in the morning? And I'm like, sure, who is this? And it's Matt, and I'm like, you know, I'm, I met a lot of people today. I'm sorry, but, like, which Matt are you? Matt Kuchar. I'm like, uh, now I feel like a total idiot, but, yes, I do want to go have coffee with you in the morning. So I get there, like, half an hour early to the, like, only Starbucks that's in Sea Plains Resort area. It's just, like, just outside of the bridge. And he's, like, sitting in front, and I hear, like, Akbar, what's up? And I'm, like, look up, and it's, like, Cooch just like waving and we sit down, we have coffee for an hour. Sibby comes and talks. I'm like, Oh my God, his wife's serious. She's so nice. And I was, I was like, this is so cool. And then I returned to like quickly to be the reality of like just being myself and working in a tent. But, um, for a mo hot moment there, I was levitating and floating and felt like it was the coolest thing ever. And then, you know, over the course of the year, we were like, Oh, I'm going to the Masters. Why don't I make a cool echo for that? Or I'm going to be playing in this tournament on the U.S. Open. Let's do something cool for that. So we started doing that. And 
He's like, well, I'm going to play in the Ryder Cup, and I thought it would be cool to get a gift for all the players. And we're like, yeah, we think that's really cool too. And let's do something that, you know, is really fun. So we made a flag head cover, like out of the American flag. So they can cut like 13 stripes and stitch 50 stars, and we put their names on it, and he handed them out to everybody. And some of them actually used it. That was back in October of 2016, the most successful year for the company to date. This little brand, named after an Irish terrier, in about six years, it's grown into 300 accounts domestically. They have about 40 shops in Japan, by Akbar's estimate, and they can be found in more than 20 countries worldwide. Following this path of what Akbar calls a series of aha moments, Seamus now offers head covers, and ball markers, and towels, and bag tags, and pouches, and blankets, and personalized flasks, and shoes, and divot tools, all of these handcrafted, highly personalized products that resonate with people the same way that Akbar's Troon head cover once resonated with him way back in 2001. At least all of that I just said, that's their goal. They want to create products that people will cherish, remember, and talk about. If there's something that Akbar thinks the team of 17 full-time staffers at Seamus can design or craft, he's probably going to take an order for it. And even if the team over there at Seamus maybe don't think they can design or craft what he wants, he still might take that order anyway. Seamus very confidently forays into zones it might not normally be comfortable with. And they figure it out along the way. That's how Seamus continues to grow, one order at a time and one product at a time. I like how we've maintained our independence. You know, we haven't been acquired. Nobody's invested in us. We do really whatever we want. We make decisions off the cuff. We move really quick. We really are good about taking care of our customers. Yeah. Well, I don't think either of us have ever really thought about, well, if it doesn't work out. We just thought when we get to that point, we'll deal with it. Because if you you try to predict, like, failure, then – you're spending a lot of time and energy that you should be utilizing on looking forward. I would never change the way we did it, and I would encourage other people to try to do it the same way. We just enjoyed what we were doing. I guess that's really the issue is like, you know, because I didn't really want to be an accountant. I was like, you know what? I would go and make lattes. I would go and do any job, pump gas, clean sewers. I don't care. I just want to go do something where I'm around people that are, happy, fun, and and something anywhere near I like would be even better. I think that if in two or three years, you know, a great thing to me would be to still be in business, to still be considered a cool brand, um, and still be doing what I love, which is this. I mean, I, I, I just, I think that, like, we don't have size goals. We've never had, like, size goals or anything like that. We just want to have a really cool group of people working for us and with us and then continue to do really awesome projects that make people really excited and happy to play golf. The co-founders of Seamus Golf, Akbar and Megan Chisty, they're just 34 and 32 years old. They work together, they live together, and they have at least the attention of every single governing body in the world of golf. That's why they should be on your radar too. And they're not necessarily alone in that distinction. There are a number of brands that inspired them to do great things as well. Brands like Jones Golf or Iliac Golf. If you take anything from this story of Seamus Golf, it's that businesses like this, they can really strike or manifest at any moment. You can be set in what you're doing, 
living one life, enjoying your hobbies and your passions, only to come across an old tattered relic that inspires you to the next best thing. Seamus is also a story of investment, or a relative lack thereof. Not all startups require angel investors, or even investors at all. They require an investment of commitment. In this case, it was the endless commitment of a married couple who were both on edge about their jobs, but both make a habit of stepping out on a limb. A married couple who think freely with their present and their future, and who have really done it from the start. Like that time, 13 years ago, when a football tailgate prompted the overwhelming intrigue of a first-timer's beer bong. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Golf.com podcast. Thank you to both Megan and Akbar Chisti for joining me and for sharing the story of their company. I'll have another story about the creation of a major golf company later on in July. It's a fun one that has a lot to do with wedges. Stay tuned for that one. Share your thoughts about this podcast with me on Twitter at Sean underscore Zak. That's S-E-A-N underscore Z-A-K. As always, if you have any ideas of other golf companies you'd like me to explore, you can let me know there. I'd love if you could give us a good review on iTunes or however you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, I'm your host, Sean Zock. Okay.